Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. appreciate you joining us, Mike Bozich and Mike Carter, and uh, I am back in the beautiful uh, state of Maryland as I've been in Chicago for the last uh, month or so, and I certainly want to thank Justin Horowitz uh, from the Meadowlands for uh, pinch hitting for me last week, and uh, Mike Carter, we've uh, talked about this big announcement that we've had. We've been hyping it on Twitter and Facebook over the last couple of days, and uh, I think we're not going to keep the fans waiting. Without further ado, Mike, why don't you go ahead and fire away? Well, I'll tell you what, we uh, we were very excited to see Bold Eagle win uh, last Sunday in France, and we come up with the idea to provide an American race call for the uh, 2016 Prix de France next week. We'll have an American version for you uh, right here on Post Time with Mike and Mike. The time is going to be to be announced, and uh, I believe it's going to be from 10 to 10.30. It's going to depend on when the race falls, but Mike, I'll tell you, it's going to be a lot of fun, and you know, it will give you the feed, the exact feed we're using. Um, there's a French television station that covers the race and does a very good job of the video. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, Bold Eagle's looking uh, to win the uh, the Triple Crown over there for the first time in uh, a long, long time. I think it hasn't happened in how long, Mike? About 40 years or so? 40 years. It's been 40 years. 40 years to uh, to pretty much the year, and uh, the Prix de Paris. And uh, we're going to have to get our French going, Mike. I'm going to tell you right now, this is going to be a challenge because we're going to have to speak French here when uh, when the time comes uh, a week from Sunday. But the Prix de Paris, it's at Vincennes Racecourse, and uh, it's, uh, for those of you that don't know, it's 
4,150 meters, which means, Mike, it's a marathon. It's two and a half miles. So this thing is it's definitely going to go to the fittest. And, of course, Bold Eagle off the win in the uh, Grand Prix de France uh, at Vincennes. That race was only 2,100 meters, a mile point, uh, 1.3 miles. So in all essence, it's really comparable, Mike, to the Thoroughbred Triple Crown. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, it's it, this Triple Crown has been a lot of fun to watch uh, from the Prix de Amérique to uh, last week's race to now. And I'll tell you, it, it's just it's been a lot of fun to watch Bold Eagle. But yeah, it, it lo- sounds like it's just as tough. And there's a reason it's been 40 years. And Bold Eagle was given a invitation to come here uh, to the United States for the Breeders' Crown. And uh, I'll tell you, Mike, it'll be a lot of fun to see that horse. Well, certainly, and one of the things that you'll notice in overseas racing is that these horses are just not afraid to race wide. And if you go on YouTube, watch the, uh, especially the replay of the Grand Prix de France because Bold Eagle raced wide the entire mile. Now, Tomoko raced very, very well, uh, got to the front, and obviously had the fight-off challengers. I think Oasis B had the lead for a little bit, and then Tomoko overtook him, and Tomoko had the fight-off challengers. But Bold Eagle, I mean, for all intents and purposes, was 3-4 wide the entire way, and despite that wide journey, was able to have enough kick to just barely get past uh, Tomoko, who's a great trotter in his own right, obviously was here in the international trot uh, back in 2015 at Yonkers. But, yeah, you talk about Bold Eagle coming here to the States – I mean, we're talking about an international superstar and uh, a horse that is quickly uh, forging his names in the record books is pr- perhaps one of the best trotters of all time in the world, Mike. Yeah, definitely. And he's lightning fast and he seems to be able to race from anywhere. And like you said, the three wide bid he made uh, last week, I mean, it just it was unprecedented to watch this horse. He was three wide the entire mile and uh, still came on to win. And he won easily. The plugs were still in. I talked to Brandon Valvo. I mean, he barely touched the horse with the whip. I think this horse is, uh, you know, uh, to compare him to American Pharaoh would be tough because they're two different types of breeds. But I'll tell you, he he definitely seems like the real deal. So it's going to be a great thing that's coming up a week from Sunday. And once again, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, because we'll certainly keep you up to date on social media as far as uh, our uh, upcoming show. Plus, we have a Thursday show before that. So, well, I'm sure we'll be talking a little bit more about that then. But uh, certainly stick around and uh, watch watch us on social media as far as updates uh, coming up a week from Sunday. But, Mike, we've got a great show on today. 22-year-old quickly. Uh, moving, uh, as far as I'm concerned, into one of the better drivers of today, Joe Bongiorno. He's 22 years old, and he'll be joining us, and we'll talk a little bit about his career. Former broadcaster at the Meadowlands, Wendy Ross, is also on tap here uh, on Post Time with Mike and Mike. She'll be joining us towards the bottom of the hour. And we've got uh, the announcer from Western Fair, Shannon Sugar Doyle. Now, i got to tell you, I, I don't know – I've got this thing on my iPad where tweets come up and I can follow these tweets. And you know what Sugar just said? This surprises the this surprises the heck out of me. He says he's nervous. He's nervous to be on our show. Can you believe that? A guy that talks into a mic is actually nervous of being on our show. So, you know, we, we got to rib him a little bit for that. That's that's kind of funny. Well, I'll tell you, Shannon, Shannon's a great guy. Uh, I filled in for him a couple of times at Fort Erie at I tell you, he is just a fantastic individual and a great race caller, and uh, I'm excited to have him on uh, towards the uh, about 139, 140 time period. 
Yeah, don't hold us to the 139. We might drag a minute or so. But uh, anyway, so we're going to hear from Sugar Doyle around that 140. Mark. But we don't drag at the beginning of the show, but we do, you know, kind of uh, drag a little bit towards the middle and the end. But uh, anyway, so Sugar Doyle is going to be joining us about 140 or so. And, of course, we're going to uh, continue our series with new vocations. We had a chance to sit down once again and talk to Winnie Morgan Nemeth, and uh, she'll tell us a little bit more about uh, new vocations and what is going on there. So we've got a jam-packed show. You've got post time with Mike and Mike. When we return, the 22-year-old driving sensation Joe Bongiorno will be joining us on post time with Mike and Mike. We'll be right back. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is an industry support group focused on promoting harness racing in Maryland. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads works hand-in-hand with charities involving children and horses, such as the Harness Horse Youth Foundation. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is actively involved with organizations such as the Maryland Horse Council and the Maryland Horse Industry Board, working together to promote the horse industry in Maryland. Follow Friends of Maryland Standard Breads on Twitter and like them on Facebook. Every dream has a start, and this one is ours. To trot and pace fast, faster than all the others, and maybe faster than any horse ever has. With every stride, 1,200 pounds of pure equine determination. In every turn, there's a tale. Every bet is a hope. No five-year returns, no annuities, 401ks. Return on investment comes in seconds. Maybe they say that the odds are against you. But you know nothing great comes easy. Winners don't second-guess. They sprint through openings and dig in deeper when the going's tough. No horse ever rides alone. The owners, the driver, the groom, and you... There are no sidelines here. The world is often full of many compromises, but not here. Not on this day. Not in this race. Not with this horse. Not in this sport. Once you feel it, it becomes you. Once you become it, your dream becomes ours. This is Harness Racing. We welcome you to the Harness Racing Fan Zone. See it all for yourself. Feel it in all the passion. Share that experience with others. And be a part of it all. The Harness Racing Fan Zone puts you in the driver's seat. Post time with Mike and Mike, Mike Carter, alongside of Mike Bozich, and we're joined now by Joe Bongiorno. And uh, Joe, welcome to the show, man. I know uh, you've probably had a busy morning, and uh, we're we're glad to have you on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Now, Joe, uh, I, I gotta ask because I just took the job here at Dorfield Park not long ago, and uh, sure enough, as soon as I started here, your uh, your name started showing up in the program. How the heck did you wind up out here at Dorfield Park? Uh, you know, it was a combination of things. Uh, I spoke to Dave Bianconi and, uh, you know, recommended that uh, I should come out there, and he thought I would be able to pick up some live mounts. And, uh, you know, the timing was right. Chris Page was going to Miami Valley, and uh, Ronnie Burke called me and, you know, wanted me to go out and drive his horses that he races there on Mondays. 
And, um, you know, the timing just uh, worked out, and uh, so far it's been panning out, and it's working out good. Joe Mike Bozich here. I was reading Derek Gibner's article that uh, he put out in late January, and looking at your uh, – and I don't know if it's tentative or if this is something you made your mind up to do, but looking at your schedule for the summer – my goodness, how are you going to do all this? Now tell us a little bit about what your schedule for the summer is going to look like, and it's a busy one, my friend. Yeah, it's looking like a seven-day-a-week thing. Uh, Mondays and Tuesdays, I plan on going to Northfield. Uh, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, and Sundays, I plan on being at Chester. And, uh, you know, Fridays and Saturdays, I'm going to be at uh, Meadowlands, and then just Saturdays during the daytime, I'll do Freehold. Wow, Joe, that's going to be a that's going to be a long summer. But you know, I tell you, watching you drive here at Northfield Park, uh, it looks like it's going to be a very profitable summer for you as well. Well, Joe, how the heck did you get involved with the business? I know a lot of people have a different, you know, some different stories, and you're still young yet. Uh, how did you get involved with uh, harness racing? Yeah, my family's been in the game for a very long time. You know, my grandpa, uh, my grandfather trains horses, and. Uh, my my father trains horses, and, uh, you know, my mom owns horses. It's just a family thing, and uh, I got involved when I was about 14 years old, and uh, I started out over at Fuzzy Schulte's Barn, and, you know, ever since then, I've it's kind of just worked its way to where I'm at now. Now, Joe, I talked to Tim T. We talked to Tim Tietrick a couple of weeks ago on this program, and he's only in his mid-30s, and it seems like he's been driving forever, and it, you're kind of like that, too. I mean, you're only 22, but you're kind of what I consider a 22-year-old veteran. I mean, you've been at it since your mid-teens, and it seems like, and I don't want to use the word forever like Tim because, you know, Tim's an old guy now, but uh, <laughs> not really Tim if you're listening because I'm six years older than you, my friend. But, but I mean, you're a 22-year-old veteran as far as, uh, as I'm concerned because obviously you know what you're doing out there and you're, you're, you know, you're going tit for tat with, uh, you know, some of the greats in the business uh, and some of the veterans in the business. But uh, going back, at what point did you decide – that you wanted to drive for a living at what point did you decide hey i could do this honestly the first horse i ever jogged i got off the jog cart and i said you know however i have to do it i you know this is something i love and i felt comfortable sitting behind a horse and you know ever since then i've made it a point to uh try to become the best i can be at it and uh you know i've been working very very hard to uh get to where i'm at and um, i've just gained a lot of experience and been driving for some very good trainers now, Joe, how, uh, I got two questions for you. Uh, the first one: How did you get hooked up with Ronnie Burke? I know Yannick Jingrau does a lot of the work for him at the Meadowlands, but how did you guys get hooked up? Um, actually, when I was 18 years old, I was just at Yonkers racing a couple of my father's horses, and uh, you know, it just came along that whoever was down to drive for Ronnie that night—I'm not even sure who it was—didn't uh, show up, uh, and I ended up driving a horse for Ronnie that night that was like 50 to one. Uh, the horse's name was Terralingua, and uh, I ended up being like second. I got beat in neck, and uh, after that, you know, I, you know, I was in Saratoga. I would say a year later, and Ronnie sent up a bunch of open pacers, and uh, you know, I just got the, I got the call on all of them, and we did very well together. And you know, ever since then, I've been very very friendly with Ronnie. He's one of my best friends. Not bad. Now, Joe, you, you've already got 65 wins this season, a little over 300000 in the bank. Uh, it, it looks like you're on track to beat last year's uh, win total. What do you contribute or what do you attribute to that success? Just a lot of hard work, you know what I mean? Traveling back and forth and, uh, 
trying to drive as many horses as I possibly can. And, uh, you know, the Ohio trips are definitely helping me. I'm getting, I would say, between 25 and 30 more drives a week uh, by going out there and, um, you know, winning my fair share of races out there and, you know, just trying to drive as many possible horses as I can. Visiting with Joe Bongiorno, uh, fifth currently in the uh, driver's standings as far as the national uh, dash picture is concerned. He's got 65 wins and right now a uh, batting average, so to speak, of uh, 311. Now, Joe, obviously with the busy schedule and uh, over the last couple of years, you've drove, you've driven on all different size tracks, a uh, half mile, five eighths, uh, one mile. Is that something that, you know, driving on all those different kind of racetracks and all kind of different surfaces, it, you think it, it makes you a better driver? Um, I wouldn't say it makes you a better driver. I would just, you know, it definitely gives you more experience. Uh, you have to, you know, you have to play uh, track bias into how you're going to drive those certain tracks. And, uh, you know, each size track I try to drive horses a little differently at. And um, so far I've had success at, uh, you know, on all size tracks. And, you know, you just have to drive, you know, the horse that's in front of you and how it looks like they need to be driven. Joe, uh, you've got a lot of exciting things coming up uh, this summer and, of course, you know, in the fall with the big stakes season coming up. What is the dream race for Joe Bongiorno to win? I mean, obviously, anyone would want to win the Hamiltonian, and uh, hopefully this year I'm going to have a shot at it. You know, that would be, a, you know, a, a really be a dream to be able to even race in the race, but to uh, be able to win it would be another thing. And I got lucky. I picked up a real nice trotter towards the end of last year, uh, make or miss. And, um, you know, that was the horse I got lucky and I dead heated in the Valley victory with. Remember, Joe, I remember, Joe, watching you uh, on In the Sulky with Ken Warkington a couple of years ago. This was back in 2014, back when you were 20 years old. And uh, you mentioned to Ken uh, something I found very interesting that, uh, you know, some drivers do and not, you know, maybe not a lot of drivers do. Um, it's the fact that you watch replays. And I know, I've, I've noticed that you mentioned that you like to watch replays for strategical purposes, maybe to pick up on some of the mistakes that you've made to pick up on some of the positives that you did and try to form yourself as a driver from that perspective. Is that something that you still do? Yeah, absolutely. You know what? The bottom line is uh, none of us are perfect. And, um, you know, more times than not on the racetrack, you're going to make a mistake. You can win a race and you're still going to make a mistake. So I try to go back and uh, watch myself drive horses and, you know, see what I'm doing right and what I'm doing wrong on the racetrack. And uh, I think it benefits me. I honestly do. Ago, uh, what hobbies do you have uh, outside of horse racing? I know that, uh, or harness racing. I know that, you know, this business can sometimes get a little bit, uh, a little bit tough and, you know, drains on you a little bit. What do you like to do outside of uh, the sport? You know what? I honestly, I just, uh, you know, I'm working, I would say, close to seven days a week, every week. But uh, when I have time off, I like to, you know, spend it with my family or friends and, you know, not not do anything real special. You know what I mean? Go out once in a while. But um, my mind's mostly on, on this business and, you know, how I can better myself. Once again, visiting with Joe Bongiorno. Joe, we certainly appreciate you joining us on the program. Before I let you go, you know, sometimes I think announcers and drivers have something in common because as an announcer, when you make a mistake, Sometimes it's kind of tough to turn the page and go on to the next race. And I would assume that would be the same thing for drivers. Like, you know, if you if you make a mistake and you know you made a mistake, it's like, you know, man, oh, man. But you, you got to turn the page and move on to the next race. Is that something that you can do pretty easily or is that something that, you know, sometimes you struggle with? 
Well, you know, when I was younger, that was something I really struggled with. You know, I would, uh, you know, I, if I made a mistake and it cost me a race, I would take it to heart and I would carry it through the rest of the card. And a lot more times than not, it would uh, hurt my performance for the remainder of the card. But uh, as I've gotten older, I've, you know, tried to become calmer. And, you know, obviously I I know now that everyone's going to make mistakes. And, you know, I try to move on to the next race and drive the next race as best I can. Jorban Jono currently fifth in the standings, uh, 65 wins at the president. He's got a busy, busy schedule coming up during the summer. Well, listen, Joe, we certainly appreciate you joining us, and we are certainly looking forward to uh, your driving here in 2016 and beyond. All right. Thank you guys very much for having me. All right. No problem. That was Joe Bongiorno, 22-year-old driver. And, you know, it's amazing. Like, like I say before, and this I, I said this a couple weeks ago, Mike, when we were interviewing Tim Tetrick. 35-year-old guy, 34-year-old guy that seemed like he's just been around forever. And Joe Bongiorno, I'm not going to use the forever tag on him yet, but he's 22 years old, and it just seems like he's a wily veteran already. Yeah, I'm telling you, it, he he just, he, you know, he's patient, he's calm, he's cool, he's collected. And I'll tell you, you can't ask for uh, better than that when driving. No question about it. We've got a lot more coming up on Post Time with Mike and Mike. We're going to hear from Wendy Morgan Nemeth from New Vocations. We also have the uh, one of the former broadcasting personalities of the Meadowlands, Wendy Ross. She's coming up at the bottom of the hour. Shannon Sugar Doyle, the fine track announcer from Western Fair, will also be joining us. Still a lot left on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike. We'll be back in a moment. Did you know a MagnaWave treatment can relieve pain? reduce inflammation, improve movement, and increase blood oxygen? Call Maria Ringler, a certified MagnaWave practitioner, at 302-922-0917 to schedule your appointment today at your own barn. Like our Facebook page, The Essential Touch LLC, and check out our website, TheEssentialTouchLLC.com. Catch the wave. Good morning, everybody. This is Ryan Macedonio, the most awesome host of the Trotcast. My special guest interview this week is Brian Sears. Fun fact, did you know that Brian Sears appeared on The Walking Dead as a zombie? As a biter, as a walker, as a land brain, whatever you want to call him. Uh, actually, no, that's totally false. But Brian did win the 2015 Hamiltonian. So, download or stream my interview with Brian Sears on the Harness Racing Fan Zone or the Harness Racing Fan Zone app on your smartphone. Welcome back to Post Time with Mike and Mike. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich. And we just got done talking with uh, Joe Bongiorno. And Mike, I'll tell you, a, a very nice young kid. And uh, I, I, I say young kid, but I, you know what? I'm young too. No, you're not. <laughs> okay. Gee, thanks, buddy. How old are you? What are you? You're in your mid-30s now. You're getting up there. You're getting a little long in the tooth. No, I'm my late 20s. Don't eat, don't even try it. Uh, real quick okay. before we uh, we want to we want to thank a few sponsors, but I made a mistake in my uh, tweet that I tweeted out at the beginning of the show. Um, we will be providing an American race call for the Prix de Paris. I accidentally tweeted out that it was the Prix de France, which was last week. And uh, thank you to Yonkers France for uh, for pointing that out to me. So I appreciate that. 
Certainly. Well, listen, we want to take this opportunity to thank some of our sponsors. You know, <laughs> I, I got to tell you, Fantasy Trot, our good friend Ryan Macedonio and the Fantasy Trotcast sends me these commercials, and I, I can't wait to listen to these commercials every week. <laughs> He's talking about Brian Sears and The Walking Dead and being a zombie, and then, of course, he scratched that, and now Brian Sears is going to be on the show. That's great, great job of, uh, you know, I'll tell you, Ryan Macedonio is one of these guys that has a real great imagination and, and uh, thinks outside of the box, and we really – uh, encourage everybody to check him out and check his interviews out. They're very, very informative, and they bring out a lot of the lighter side of the guys and, I, and gals, and I think that's a very important thing to do, so make sure you check him out. He's on, uh, I think you can get him on Harness Racing Fan Zone. He's also uh, on SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio. Uh, he, he's in a bunch of different spots on the internet, so you can't really drift too far off the internet. Ryan's uh, and can't find Ryan. Ryan's uh, there. And uh, make sure you listen to him. Uh, Fantasy Trotcast certainly doing great things there. Plus, our good friends at Essential Touch. And we do want to remind everybody that if you uh, go to Essential Touch and use their services, all you have to do is say that you heard it on the post time with Mike and Mike show, and you get 20% off your bill. So you can save 20%, take that money, put it in your pocket, and uh, go buy something nice. So make sure you mention post time with Mike and Mike with essential touch. And also Mike, our good friends, uh, friends of Maryland standard breads. Uh, you know, listen, they, they give us, uh, Clarissa Coughlin gave us bobbleheads and colors and everything to give away. And now we still have a lot of stuff and periodically from time to time, we're going to be giving away some of that stuff. Uh, so you're going to want to uh, make sure you listen every week here to post time with Mike and Mike, but certainly a, a big hats off and a thank you to our uh, friends of Maryland standard breads. Yeah, definitely. We uh, a couple weeks ago, Tim Tietrich was on the show, and we just randomly gave out one of his bobbleheads uh, to at Standard Bread Gal. Thanks for listening, by the way. And uh, I tell you, you never know when we're just gonna we're gonna pipe up and say, you know what? Let's give a let's give a prize away. You never know. And also, our good friends at New Vocations, Wendy Morgan Nemeth has done an outstanding job with all the thing, all the things she's done there. And as you know, Mike, it is very very important to uh, make sure that we look after our. Uh, you know, our warriors out there. I mean, not only during their racing, but uh, after their racing as well. And that's one of the things that Wendy Morgan Nemeth does with new vocations. And uh, I think without further ado, uh, let's uh, listen. We had a chance to sit down. It's our ongoing series with new vocations. Wendy Morgan Nemeth uh, will tell us a little bit more about what they do. So Mike, without further ado, let's roll that uh, videotape. Hi, I'm Winnie Morgan Nemeth, and I am the Paterbread Program Director for New Vocations Resource Adoption Program. At New Vocations, we focus on retraining retired standardbreds for second careers after they are done racing and placing them into new homes. In the past five years, we've placed over 600 standardbreds as riding horses into new careers. Not only are we retraining and finding homes for our horses, but we also do a lot of educating the public about harness racing and the breed. Many do not realize what amazing riding horses that standardbreds are, and through our years of working with them, we have hundreds of success stories of what these horses are doing under saddle. Most of our horses go on to be family trail horses, show horses that compete in both English and Western riding, eventing, dressage, jumping, fox hunting, speed racking, and of course, they're phenomenal driving horses. In April, we will be at the Equine Affair in Columbus, Ohio, from April 7th through the 9th. Equine Affair is an all-breed trade show offering 
many breed demonstrations, clinics, and shopping. We will be there along with the USTA showcasing off-the-track standard breads. We've been asked to bring a standard bread and harness to exhibit in their Fantasia show, which will have over 12,000 people in attendance throughout the weekend. We are honored to be taking recently retired Grain of Truth, a trotter who raced 345 times and earned over $1.5 million. He was recently donated to our program by his owner, Charles Inazzo, and was trained by Ray Schnitker. Grain of Truth will be the only standard red in harness and will have the chance to showcase the breed and sport to a huge audience. Event goers will also have the chance to meet Grain of Truth at the USTA petting stall throughout the weekend as well. To learn more about New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program, you can visit us at newvocations.org, find our Facebook page at New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program, as well on Twitter and on Instagram. We are currently accepting horses retiring from the track throughout every track in the United States. Post time with Mike and Mike would like to invite you to join us in positively promoting the sport of harness racing. Our advertising rates are extremely reasonable, and if you sign up for a one-month sponsorship package now, you get one week free. free. That's right, one week free. free. For more information on how you can sponsor Post Time with Mike and Mike, please email us at ptmikeandmike at yahoo.com. Also, follow us on social media on Facebook, Post Time with Mike and Mike. Also on Twitter at ptmikeandmike1. We're back post-time with Mike and Mike, Mike Bozich, Mike Carter on this uh, beautiful Thursday afternoon. At least it's not too bad here in Maryland. Temperature uh, right around that middle 30-degree uh, mark with the uh, sun shining, no precipitation. And, Mike, it really has been too bad of a winter. I know in Chicago we had one cold day. That was pretty much about it. We had one maybe in or two a snowfall uh, during the day in, in one day. And here I know they had uh, a real bad snowstorm, but I was in Chicago, so I'm as fat. But uh, the snow quickly cleared up, and uh, I'll tell you what, it's looking promising. I'm looking forward to spring. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, I think we all are, Mike. And springtime in Cleveland, I know in Buffalo, was very much looked forward to, and uh, we're very excited for it here. Okay, it uh, looks like Mike uh, is screening Wendy Ross. Coming up next is Wendy Ross, and it's the she is the former uh, – TV analyst from the Meadowlands Racing and Entertainment. And I'll tell you, I can't wait to have her on because we're going to talk about a lot of things, Mike, including uh, one of her old outriding horses who is going to uh, be retiring this year. You know, that's one of the things that uh, we'll get into, Wendy, about is being an outrider. And we always talk about this, Mike, how many different moving parts there are in in the harness racing industry and, and how many moving parts there are to actually put on a race card. And that's one of the things that when you know people come up to the booth, and I know you've had people come up to the booth too, it's they're they're kind of astounded because you know you have the announcing of the race, then you have the charting of the race, and then you have the judging of the race, then you have the timing of the race, then you have the photo finish, and it, you've got all these moving parts: the outrider, everything the paddock does, paddock judge and starter, and it, there's just so many moving parts, and that's one of the things I think that kind of uh you know astounds people a little bit and and because uh, i don't think people realize especially the new people what it takes to put on a racing card but right now we're joined by wendy ross wendy we certainly appreciate you joining us on post time with mike and mike hey guys thanks for having me i really appreciate it how's everything going today 
Everything is fantastic. Listen, Wendy, before we get started and we'll talk, you know, we'll have some fun in this interview. We'll talk a little bit about, uh, you know, how you got your start in the business and in some outwriting and stuff like that. But uh, I say former broadcast personality at the Meadowlands because, of course, you're no longer there at the Meadowlands. You you took another position, uh, which I believe is a little bit closer to home for you. Do you want to talk a little bit about what went into that decision? Well, we have a lot going on, that's for sure. I certainly do right now. Um, you know, the Meadowlands, I live out by the Meadows uh, where my family is there. Uh, my boyfriend, Chris, trains a small barn there, does well. So my life is, uh, you know, at the Meadows, and everything's just kind of been out there. I've, I've been commuting to the Meadowlands for about four years now and Tioga. So, it's you know, I've been on the road about 48 weekends of the year for about four years. And, you know, it was just it was such a good gig. And it, it, the Meadowlands, Tioga, it's family to me as well. So, Making the decision was hard, but a great opportunity came along that I simply could not pass up, and, uh, you know, I had to take it. Now, Wendy, uh, I'm making my very first trip out to the Meadows uh, next week or next Saturday. It's funny because my wife actually got a trip to the Meadows before I did. I can't believe it, but, uh, (laughs) you know, it's going to be a lot of fun going out there. Tell us about a couple of the horses that you have out there. Well, you know, I've been really lucky uh, to have a couple great horses. Uh, you know, I've owned my own horses for about seven or eight years, and I've had a lot of luck, you know, with a little bit of the cheaper claimers and things like that, but they've always seemed to do well. And uh, I've been fortunate the last two or three years uh, to have some nice some nice horses that one horse had turned into two and two that's turned into three and three that's turned into four. So, uh, you know, some good opportunities over there have come my way. I have a really nice trotting mare that I bought out of Tioga, and she's been great to Chris and I. Um, and some other ones that I own pieces of that, that have just been really great. They're hard-hitting and just fun to race and put on the track every week. Wendy Ross joining us on Post Time with Mike and Mike. Well, uh, Wendy, we got we got all that out of the way. Let's talk about the younger formative years of Wendy Ross. How did you get involved in uh, harness racing? Well, you know, I've been blessed. I'm third generation. My, my family started. They actually opened the Meadows uh, many, many years ago. I think it was 1967 or 68, maybe even before that. Uh, you know, my grandpa and my dad uh, – been driving horses since they were 15, 12 and 15 years old, my dad has. So uh, my whole family's driver trainers. Uh, it's really full-time. We've trained horses. They've trained horses for my dad going on 45 or 50 years now. Still has one or two he has at the Meadows there. So, you know, I was blessed to be brought up around um, that breed of horsemen that uh, you, you see kind of a, let me say, it's kind of a dying breed nowadays. Those are the old-timers that, you know, race their own, drove their own, and, you know, just kind of, just great horsemen all around and I've been blessed to to be brought up around them and uh you know just kept it going through all the years just worked at the barn and still uh when I took this new job my my hardest thing was just because through the week I would always help Chris at the barn and work and then you know go out and uh kind of do my play career on the weekends which was the Meadowlands or Tioga so but being in the barn is what I'm going to miss the most and and actually people always laugh at me the most they're like what what hat do I actually wear the most because you know I have the television thing I have the outriding but then really those who really know me know my favorite thing to do is probably just be in the barn you'll you'll catch me cleaning about five or six stalls every morning so now I had to put that off uh, just to the weekend now but um, as far as my family just I've been really blessed to uh, to have such a great family and they've done well over the years primarily based Northfield the Meadows a little bit on the Grand Circuit not not a lot uh, but we've always done well and you know my uncle Dan's uh my uncle Dan Ross, he's actually a judge, presiding judge at Buffalo and Batavia for about two or three years. And like I said, my dad still trains a couple at the Meadows. So still going on. And my mom, who actually passed away when I was two back in 1987, she was actually a parade marshal for about 10 or 12 years at Northfield. 
in the Meadows as well. So that's where that uh, aspect of wanting to always outright came from. Now, uh, so you, so you answered a little bit of my next question, but uh, before we talk about Floyd, uh, your outriding horse, how did you uh, how did you get into outriding? Uh, was it just a trait that uh, you sort of wanted to follow in your mom's footsteps, or how did you get into it? I think that's really where it came from. You know, my mom, some say, was the best that there ever was, and I know there's a lot of great girls out there, but for her time, uh, this is back when. Uh, you know, she rode English, which is not really done that much nowadays, uh, and with the hub rail. So, you know, things, when they went bad back then, they went really bad. And, you know, she saved a lot of guys and a lot of horses. So she made her own history in her own sense. And so my whole life I, I've rode since I was a kid. And finally, when I was about 15, my dad said, okay, you can go work at the fairs. I had a nice little pony that I took out there and would parade around. And, you know, but just being at the farm, working with him and my uncle and just being out, like, working around the horses on a daily basis, like working my horses, you really get to know. I was lucky to, to learn from the ground up. Uh, so, you know, finally when I was that age, my dad let me. And then I had another horse that I trained, and I actually worked under uh, Nadine Hadkey, who is still the marshal at Northfield today, and she does a great job. She's a great rider. So fortunate enough to work under her for about a year and a half. And then Tyoga called and said, Jason called me and said, you know, we got an opening here. And I was looking, too. And the funny thing is, Mike, that I was actually looking to be the first outrider at Chester. This was like, this is your, we're going 10, 12 years back. And Tioga called, and Jason was like, you know, you can't really do both. So I stuck with Tioga and, you know, took us to where we are today. Visiting with Wendy Ross. Now, Wendy, a lot of people, like I was telling Mike before we uh, brought you on the air, a lot of, especially new people, when they do booth tours or uh, you know tours of the press box and all that, a lot of people, whether at Hazel Park or Harris, Philadelphia or wherever, they always ask me, "What's the guy or gal do on horseback?" Because they see all the harness horses out there and they see one person on a horse. And I try to explain them the best I can. That's the outrider, and obviously they're there for safety and you know basically in charge of the racetrack at that present. I mean, if anything goes wrong, or if, basically safety purposes to make sure that uh, nothing goes wrong. Um, what would you, in, and this is going to be a two part question. First of all, uh, for because we have a lot of new people starting to listen to the program that may not be so familiar with harness racing, can you explain exactly what? the uh, responsibilities of an outrider are number one and number two did you ever have any scary moments as an outrider well to start with the first question there the, the main responsibility is we're out there for safety you know as soon as the horses hit the track uh we are basically in charge of making sure everybody gets to the gate and gets pulled up after the race uh safely and everything goes okay now there's a lot of it goes into that whether it's turning horses or grabbing one for one of the drivers, if it's a little rank or a little bully for them. So, you know, we'll, we'll try to help them out during the post parade so they don't get, you know, their arms pulled off. And then, you know, say something does happen during the race, which when someone's there live and they see, they're like, oh, now I know what she does. But so many people have always been like, wow, that looks like a great job. We just get to ride around it. It looks pretty. And I said, so I was like, well, yeah, until things go bad, it gets a little hairy out here. But um, you know, and then if there is an accident and the drivers go down, you're, you know, we have to be out there to, to pick the horses up and pull them up for safety. And as far as the second question goes, the scariest moment for me, 
you know, it's hard to say. I've been really blessed over my career to use some great horses. And like I said, I got to come out under, like, my family learning the right way to do things. And I got to work with a lot of, a couple other great outriders that I have the utmost respect for. I got to watch them my entire life growing up and see them do their thing. So I've been in some situations where I always said that there's someone watching out for me, whether it be my mom or somebody else. I don't know, but... I pulled up and I said, I don't know how that went as well as it did, but it did. And, you know, everybody seemed happy and nobody got hurt. But I think there's, you know, a lot of situations where it has happened. But I've been fortunate enough to have uh, great horses and things that seem to always seem to work out uh, the best for me. Now, Wendy, tell me a little bit about Floyd. I know he's going to be retiring in May. Uh, he, You know, you're, when you're out riding, you've got to have a horse that you can trust. And it's obvious you've trusted Floyd for a very long time. Uh, talk to talk to us a little bit about him. Well, I, you know, when it comes to doing our job, um, any of the girls will tell you that the horse is 90% of the job because, you know, we're out there, they're our legs, and they have to be able to do amazing things um, with, you know, when things happen or just being able to, to handle everything that goes on out there. Floyd, to me, is, like I said, I've had an opportunity to probably ride five or six great horses that made a lot of good saves to me. Floyd is special to me because, I don't know, he just came to me um, at a time when I was in a transition of of a horse, and I don't know, there's a lot of things that that have happened when I say that, that he's just, he's pulled me out of a lot of of close calls, and I don't think if you'd ask anyone in harness racing, especially on the East Coast, that they'd know who Floyd was, or they'd be like, "Oh, that's Wendy's horse." Like, they just, he just has made his own uh, his own history. And I think the best catch we ever had was it was like four seconds. It was probably like two summers ago. Jimmy Marone went down at Tioga, and he literally had him caught. And that's what makes Floyd special is if he can catch a horse in seconds, not laps or even you know i'm talking seconds like he'll catch him in strides and have him pulled up to an out of way and you know it gets everything done as safely as we can and you know not to mention he puts on a heck of a flag show too so that doesn't that doesn't hurt either well wendy i got just one more question for you the jug broadcast is always a fun one to watch Uh, i seen you at the jug last year uh, when i was there how how did you get involved with the uh with the jug broadcast well, I, I'm, I'm just lucky. I always say I, I've been really blessed in my life, and, you know, that's one of those things, uh, just timing and luck because, you know, what a broadcast to be a part of. You know, Sam's become one of my greatest friends. Roger's pretty much like family to me. He is kind of in a way. Uh, but, you know, I was just glad to be blessed to be a part of that on the Grand Circuit level, one of the greatest races that our sport has. And, uh, you know, it was just timing, really, that a position had opened up uh, – with circumstances and you know I think doing the Meadowland bot where um, I had the recognition to do it and I don't know like like I said I think I just got lucky and and I was really grateful and this will be my third year coming up uh, to be a part of it. Wendy Ross joining us on Post Time with Mike and Mike. Well, Wendy, listen, we really appreciate you joining us, and we're certainly going to miss you on the Meadowlands broadcast because you did an outstanding job. Do you have any memorable interviews like that you would say what was your most memorable? I'll, I'll, I'll word it this way what was your most memorable interview moment at the Meadowlands uh you know I got a couple really good Ron Pierce interviews that will always uh stand out to me you know some some one-liners that I don't think that can ever uh be replaced and if you ever get a chance to interview Ron Pierce please do it because it's great 
you know, he's great. And, uh, you know, just if he's going to, I know he's going into about semi-retirement, but uh, the sport misses him as of right now. And I'd love to see him back, but definitely him. But you know what? Uh, a couple of the guys that always stand out to me, John Campbell's a, a terrific interview. Uh, Teacher's great. Um, you know, it's so weird because there's a lot of people in the sport that are like, oh, John Campbell, Tim Petrick, but then you just get to a point where you're like, hey, guys, you want to do an interview tonight, uh, you know, and things like that. So just getting an opportunity, uh, not one specific thing, but to just work around those guys, I, I can honestly say I got to work with the best drivers, the best horses, uh, and to be around them and the best trainers in the world, in the literally some in the world. So uh, it's an opportunity that I'll, I'll never forget. And, you know, but people take it or, you know, have a misconception that I'm out of harness racing. You know, actually, uh, the gentleman I went to work for is, is quite a, a big owner in harness racing, so that was a connection we had in coming to work for his company. So we still we still get to talk and watch races pretty much a couple times a week. And, uh, you know, like I said, my whole life is harness racing back home. I mean, I'm still involved in the barn, maybe not in the barn, but, you know, watching races and, and talking and doing things like that. And then, you know, yeah, I'll still be doing the jug. And actually, I'm, I'm hoping maybe they'll have me do a little moonlighting at the Meadows. So uh, if they'll have me, we'll just have to wait and see. Wendy, once you're in harness racing, you could never get out. So forget about it. Once you're in, you're in. <laughs> That's for sure. There, there's no doubt about that. So, hey, Mike, how's my man Dean Coney doing? Oh, he's doing fantastic. And, uh, you know, we, I have, we have a lot of fun. I work with him on Monday nights, and me and him do nothing but laugh. You know, I got to give him a little shout out because honestly, my senior year in college, I graduated from Youngstown State, and we knew a friend that knew a friend. And, and honestly, I can't even believe I that. He's going to be, if I don't mention this, his feelings are going to be hurt. When I was a senior, I had to do an internship, and I came up and interned at Northfield for, oh, I don't know, three months. And he literally, he was the first person to put me on TV. He was. He was like, okay, well, I don't know. We're just going to have you start doing handicapping on TV. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and that's how it actually really got started. And I can't believe I didn't give him a shout-out. But, yeah, Dean Pony is literally, I, I truly enjoy him. But he is the one that started and that Jeff knew about it. And, I don't know, just things kind of fell into place from there. Well, Wendy, I'll make sure I tell him you said hello. Well, Wendy, we certainly appreciate having you on. And uh, I'll tell you, I can't wait to see you again at the Jug. And it's, uh, who knows, maybe we'll see you in the winter circle next Saturday as well. Yeah, if we do, uh, you know, if we get a if we get a winner, Mike, I promise we'll, we'll get you in there. And hopefully we will. <laughs> we have some series finals coming up. So if we do, we'll hook up, okay? Sounds like a plan. Well, that was Wendy Ross uh, joining the program. And, Mike, I'll tell you, Wendy did, or did and does a fantastic job outriding. And uh, I'll tell you, she's a great young voice in the sport. Yeah, certainly. And like I say, I mean, outriding is a very, very important job because, you know, you're you're in charge of the safety um, of all those horses out there. And that's one of the things that I try to explain to my groups when they come up to the announcer. Because that is an automatic question. You know, you have these automatic questions like, oh, how do you do this? And how do you do But one of the automatic questions that I always get is why is there one uh, man or woman out there on horseback and all the rest of them are in chariots? A lot of people call them chariots because, you know, they don't really know. And you have to explain them. They're sulkies. But uh, that's one of the questions I always get. And I always try to explain them. They're out there for safety purposes. And, and uh, you know, a lot of times and you see race after race. A lot of them go smooth, but every once in a while you'll have a, a driver that you know gets dumped out of his cart, or you have a loose horse, or something will happen, and that outright will be pressed into service. And uh, I'll tell you what, more times than not, they're Johnny on the spot. They catch those horses, and uh, usually it goes off without incident. So a big hats off to Wendy and all outriders out there 
who just uh, do a phenomenal job. Well, we've got a break to think, and when we come back, we've got the voice of Western Fair, the one, the only, Sugar Doyle, and we'll have him right after this. Did you go out and see Deadpool this week, the number one rated R superhero movie of all time? Well, just like Deadpool, I, Ryan Macedonio, break the fourth wall all the time. And my special guest this week is none other than Brian Sears. In my interview with Brian Sears, we'll discuss our love of chimichangas and Hello Kitty. Listen to this or all of the other episodes of the Trotcast. Find them on the Harness Racing Fan Zone or Harness Racing Fan Zone app on your smartphone or Google it. Did you know a MagnaWave treatment can relieve pain, reduce inflammation, improve movement, and increase blood oxygen? Call Maria Ringler, a certified MagnaWave practitioner, at 302-922-0917 to schedule your appointment today at your own barn. Like our Facebook page, Essential Touch LLC. Check out our website, theessentialtouchllc.com. Catch the wave. Welcome back to Post Time with Mike and Mike. And speaking of young voices in the business, we've got a good friend of mine, Shannon Sugar Doyle. Shannon, thank or Sugar, thanks for so much for uh, taking time out of your day to join us. Hey, no problem. Hey, did you just say young voice? <laughs> thanks for the compliment. <laughs> yes. You know what? Listen, well, Sugar, I was gonna I was gonna correct him on that young thing, but I figured I'd better not. <laughs> yeah, no, hey, I, I, I just just like at the the liquor store when I was in my twenties, I'll just take the compliment and walk away. <laughs> well, Sugar, uh, we certainly appreciate you taking time out of your day to join us. Uh, listen, you've called a lot of different racing uh, thoroughbred and harness, which you've done a fantastic job at. Uh, which one of them yeah, is your thanks. favorite, and uh, how did how did you get into uh, race calling? Yeah, well, you know what? I, I get asked that quite a bit, uh, calling both breeds, harness and thoroughbreds, which one I like uh, like more. You know, I grew up with the harness horses since I was 10 years old. I've been around them. Uh, to me, it, it's in my blood to call the harness. It's an easy task for me. There, there's not a whole lot of prep work involved, but uh, with thoroughbred calling, there, there's a lot of prep work, and uh, the challenge is there. Uh, the challenge last summer at Ford Area, big track, you know, uh, preparation is key, but uh, I enjoy them both. Uh, harness to me it comes naturally. The thoroughbred is the challenge, and uh, I have a lot of fun doing what I do. How did we come up with the nickname Sugar? Sugar comes back from my coaching hockey days in Summerside, Prince Edward Island. Uh, all the kids had nicknames, and they wanted a nickname for the coach. It was pretty easy to come by because my, my, my pockets were always full of candy and suckers, and I was on the bench uh, uh, cheering on the kids with a sucker in my mouth all the time. So sugar was uh, pretty easy to come up with. You always had candy in your pockets. That's uh, that's definitely an interesting uh Interesting yeah, there. well, they were they were thinking of calling me the Candy Man, but one of the mothers spoke up pretty quick, said, "No, that's not going to work. Let's just call him Sugar." <laughs> well, there you go. Well, Shannon, you got uh, it. Or Sugar, I don't know why I keep calling you Shannon. You I know keep, what? You I'm can call me anything you like, man. Call me anything you like. Uh, so you've called some great races uh, and seen some great horses, but tell me a little yeah. bit about uh, the Molson Pace winner and O'Brien winner, State Treasurer. Uh, oh from last year uh he faced a lot of tough competition but 
Uh, he was named Horse of the Year in Canada, and he, I'll tell you what, he's one of the more gutsy horses, in my opinion. You know what, uh, that O'Brien Award as Horse of the Year in Canada was well-deserved. He took on all comers uh, last year, both uh, north and uh, south of the border, uh, and he started his season early. He was here in May to do the Molson Pace, and he was racing the best right up until uh, into September and October. Uh, he's not a very big horse, but he's all guts, as you saw in the Molson Pace. He had a decision to make early. He made it at the quarter pole. He battled all bets off, who you know is a very good little horse and a tough little bugger on the front end. He took down all bets off in the late stages for his third consecutive Molson Pace uh, victory. And uh, uh, Greg Blanchard here, Raceway Manager, spoke with trainer Dr. Ian Moore at the O'Briens. Doc says if all things are go, that horse is going to be back trying for four Molson Pace victories in a row, our last Friday in May. So that's, that's really exciting. Sugar, you were at the O'Brien Awards. Uh, what are some of the other highlights uh, from that night? Oh, well, you know what? It's always a great time. Uh, the, the shirt and tie, everybody's done up. Uh, the ladies are looking so fine. Uh, meeting up with uh, a lot of PEI people there. You know, I grew up in Prince Edward Island. There was a lot of PEI uh, connections there. Uh, Maritimers were out in full force, plus some of the stars around the Ontario circuit. Uh, my buddy uh, Travis Cullen came in from Alberta. We had drinks beforehand and, and, and got caught up. And, uh, you know, late into the night, there's still some great conversations going around. Hall of Fame trainer Bob McIntosh, I'm sitting there talking to him, and it's, uh, it's the wee hours, of course. But it, it's always a great time because you get to meet everybody and you know what everybody will talk to everybody you know we're all we're all equal at the o'briens it's a great time now sugar uh what is the dream race for you to call obviously there's a lot of big races in canada a lot of big races in uh the states but what is the dream race for uh sugar doyle Oh, dream race for me. You know what? I've, I've called so many good ones. I mean, there was a track record mile at the Northlands Park Taj Mahal. It's one of my favorite uh, calls ever and uh, just a nice old horse. But you know what? As far as races itself, uh, I, I don't have one really that pops out of my like, People say, well, you'd like to call the Kentucky Derby sometime. Well, you know what? I'm happy enough just sitting back and having a few pops and watching that. It's quite an experience. Uh, as far as harness racing go, I, I saw my I saw my first little brown jug a couple of years ago. I like going to the track and experiencing those type races. I'm not one that has to be there to, to call a race. I enjoy calling this Molson Pace here at a half-mile track in Canada. It's one of the biggest races you will see on a half-miler in North America. I'm I'm quite happy as that being my dream race call. Visiting with Sugar Doyle, the voice of Western Fair and Fort Erie. Now, I know all these uh, different announcers, including myself and Mike Carter, we and everybody has got their own kind of different ways to prepare for a race. And you're a little bit different because, um, you know, you also do thoroughbreds as well as harness. Now, I guess my question is twofold. Uh, first of all, what's your general preparation for a race? And secondly, do you prepare a little bit differently for a harness race than you do a thoroughbred race? Yeah, for sure. With, with thoroughbreds, of course, you've got to scribble in jockey colors and shadow rolls and, and leg wraps and blinkers and everything else just to just to be able to tell some of those horses apart, especially when calling on a mile track because they're so far away on that far turn. And uh, as far as harness goes, there's not a whole lot of prep work involved. 
Molson Pace Night comes up. There's so many good horses here. Again, we got the Ontario Sire Stake three-year-old Colts with us this season for Molson Pace Night. I want to bring my A game there. So there's going to be some preparation. But on a regular race night, you know what? I'm busy on Twitter. I'm, I'm talking to our horse players right up uh, until they're lining up behind the gate. So uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a little bit of everything on race nights here at Western Fair. Now, Sugar, I notice, uh, and I watch your your feet a lot, uh, especially now being mm-hmm. at Northfield. Um, mm-hmm. I notice that you guys take a lot of fan picks, but there's also the cameraman picks. Uh, where did that <laughs> idea come from? Oh, uh, you know what? Uh, we got a great cameraman here, Trevor. Uh, just uh, just a little something different, you know. Uh, we we don't mind thinking outside the box now and then, and. Uh, I know a good friend of ours made up a, a little sign for him there to hold up uh, with with the numbers and everything uh, when we go to the cameraman's play. I mean, if we're a little different and it's working, uh, we like that fact that, that we've got something else that maybe another track doesn't have. Let's bring in the cameraman. What do you got for us tonight? And uh, he's, 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 he's getting sharper there. He gets on a roll now and then, and he does read the program. He, he didn't grow up with horse racing, but uh, he's around it all the time here now. So we got to put him to work uh, making a play now and then. <laughs> Yeah, there that's pretty go. interesting. You know, when I was at Hazel Park, uh, we actually had well, we had my picks. Um, we had uh, a couple other picks. I can't remember. Maybe the the uh, the chart writer had uh, some picks because he was a pretty good handicapper. And then we had the random number. But then we had the random number generator, and the random <laughs> number generator got online, would kick forward all these numbers. And yeah. uh, you know, I thought it was a fantastic idea until I walked to the grandstands and somebody says, "Hey, Mike, the random number generator is winning at a thirty-five percent clip, and you're winning at about a fifteen percent." Okay, well, oh, that's a good idea. yeah. So the uh, random number I, generator was done the next day. We <laughs> we had to. I, I hear to... you there. Well, I I just got to make sure those uh, HPI play the days stay ahead of the cameraman's play. That's well, that's what I got to worry about. They're they're hitting well, pretty. They're they're hitting pretty good this month. There you go. Uh, you know, Sugar, one of the things that I that I hear about you, um, and I agree with them 100%, is that, you know, you've got a, a pretty different announcing style. You, you have you come up with a lot of different terminology to describe the course of a race and mm-hmm. the very original, very creative. Is that something that you uh, try on purpose to incorporate to your race calls? Is that something that just rolls off the top? You know what? There's some work that goes into that, of course. Uh, I, I figure myself as a, a unique color. I'm a little bit old school because I do like that old school stuff, like up and not on the outside, and and I like to be a little bit new school too. You know, uh, uh, if I see somebody thinking about a move to the outside, well, of course he's thinking about it. Or you know what? Uh, I'm I like my country music, and if there's something I can fit in there with a with a new country song uh, lyric or something, you know, I'll throw it in. I love watching the sports replays too. I may pick up something from that, but uh, just keeping it fresh and non-repetitive, and uh, we have a good time. <laughs> Sugar, before Mike, we let uh, you go, oh, go ahead, Mike. Sorry, sorry about that, Mike. Uh, I had to get in there. Sugar, you mentioned liking country music. Uh, I yeah. love country music, and, and there's a couple of horses that race here at Northfield, like so much cooler online, and a couple of others like that. It is so, so, so difficult not to just jump into song while I'm calling oh. race. Oh yeah, like I mean, uh, Carrie Underwood had a, a song there last year. You know, has got the good fly shoes on. You know, you can fit that right into a race, no problem. I'm still trying to find a way to figure out uh, how to put Mister Misunderstood in somewhere. Though I love that song. <laughs> 
Sugar, before we let you go, let's uh, let's talk. Let, let's get a bit, a little bit more into business now. Let's talk about the state of racing in Ontario. Now, I know you guys sure. are doing pretty good as far as handle goes, uh, mm-hmm. and I think social media has got a lot to do with that. And, and mm-hmm. obviously, your outreach, you know, to the to the customers and to the betters via Twitter, and mm-hmm. I think it's got a lot to do with that. But mm-hmm. give us the state of Ontario racing right now, as it stands. State of Ontario racing. Well, the state in London here right now is great. We're coming off a half million dollar wager last night, which is highest Wednesday ever. Uh, you know, and, and as you mentioned, uh, it's a great relationships on, on social media with our players. You know, Russ Adams south of the border, great job. Uh, my man Chris out of Chicago, Pancakes and Griddle Man. Uh, some great guys there. They they uh, help propel us in the market, a busy simulcast market. But in Ontario right now. Uh, you know what, there's uh, some proposals being put forward that uh, may see some reduced dates here or there, uh, maybe more dates at London down the road. We, we'd love to see it. But you know what, it's just a proposal that the four horsemen put together uh, to, to maybe uh, direct the industry going forward. Other proposals are, are more than welcome to show up. It's just some ideas being floated around by horse people, and, and I think it's a great thing. You know, uh, it's not always about relying on the government to uh, to direct horse racing as far as the industry goes. I, I think the horse people got to get behind uh, proposals and initiatives being put forward, and uh, it, it, it's time to go to work. Uh, you can't just sit back and, and wait for things to happen. You, uh, horse people, they've got to go for it, and, and I think we're on the, I think we're going down a good path here in Ontario right now. In order to partake of the full Western Fair experience, you have mm-hmm. to follow my man Sugar on Twitter. So, Sugar, why don't you For tell sure. everybody where they can follow you? You know what? Uh, just give me a follow at Sugar Doyle. Hey, uh, to those listeners out there today, uh, why not just uh, do a little tweet right now? L- let me know you listen to the show. We got the uh, Raceway T-shirt, maybe an O'Brien Awards program to give away. You know what? Uh, whatever you guys want to give away, as far as a T-shirt or whatever, you guys feel free at Sugar Doyle. Give me a follow. Give him a follow, give him a tweet, and let him know you're listening, and let him know you love his announcing because we certainly do. Sugar, we certainly appreciate you joining us, buddy. Right on. Thanks, guys. Uh, Great job, Mike and Mike. All right. That is Shannon Sugar Doyle, the voice of Western Fair, and he also does some thoroughbreds at Fort Erie. Like I said, Mike, one of the more creative announcers, I think. I mean, he uses a lot of different terminology to to describe the action out there. And, uh, you know, one call, you hear one call, and it's definitely different from the next call, different from the next call. Very creative uh, announcer that uh, I'll tell you, I've learned a lot from, Mike, and I know you have, too. Yeah, definitely. The one thing that I love that he does is at the end of the stakes call, he always says the driver's name, you know, I'll use state treasurer as an example. You know, he said state treasurer wins the driver for Dr. Ian Moore. You know, you're giving everybody a little bit of a shout out. And I'll tell you, that means a lot to some of these guys. Yeah, certainly does. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm not so sure where this hour has gone, but I guess we're into overtime now, extra innings, however you want to put it. And uh, I guess we'll take one more commercial break, and when we come back, we'll put a wrap on this thing. You've got Post Time with Mike and Mike. Post Time with Mike and Mike would like to invite you to join us in positively promoting the sport of harness racing. Our advertising rates are extremely reasonable, and if you sign up for a one-month sponsorship package now, you get one week free. Free. That's right, one week free. Free. For more information on how you can sponsor Post Time with Mike and Mike, 
Please email us at ptmikeandmike at yahoo.com. Also, follow us on social media on Facebook, Post Time with Mike and Mike. Also on Twitter at ptmikeandmike1. Welcome back to Post Time with Mike and Mike. While we were doing that interview, Mike Bozich, with uh, Shannon Sugar Doyle, uh, we actually received some breaking news. Uh, Post Time with Mike and Mike would like to congratulate driver Kyle DiBenedetto for his uh, 6,000th career win on Simply Rockin' at Monticello. So, uh, Kyle DiBenedetto, uh, lighten them up out there. Yeah, congratulations to Kyle picking up that big milestone victory. And uh, actually, there's quite a few drivers, uh, as a matter of fact, that are coming up on uh, victory. Of course, we just had Tim Tietrich, who got uh, driving win 9,000. And I'm trying to uh, search my email to see, because I think there's a couple of other drivers that are coming up on uh, on milestones, Mike. So uh, as usual, it always takes me like 15 minutes to do something on the internet. So um, I'm going to try to find that before we let you go. But certainly we want to thank all of our sponsors and everybody for making this possible. Uh, fantastic, fantastic uh uh, job by all of them and we urge each and every one of you to patronize our sponsors and of course we've got the big show for those of you that missed the beginning of the show coming up a week from sunday we are going to uh, have a live uh, broadcast of the uh, pre d paris uh as bold eagle looks uh, to become the uh, first horse in 40 years to uh, win the triple crown overseas and uh, a lot of interest mike and I, I think that you know if you look on twitter and in facebook you're seeing a lot more interest uh from this side of the ocean in what's going on on the other side of the ocean mike so that's good it's it's still harness racing it's fantastic and not only that but for those of you that don't know the pre de paris is two and a half miles 40 uh 100 plus meters so that's going to definitely be uh, kind of like the Belmont Stakes here in Thoroughbred, Mike. It's going to be a test of stamina. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I'll tell you, you're going to hear one of us call it. Uh, one of us is going to uh, call the race. Heads or tails. American race ball. Yeah, heads or tails. Uh, we're we're, we're going to have a lot of fun with this. And um, I'll tell you, if, if you want to hear the American race call uh, next week, make sure to uh, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, social media uh, we'll be letting everybody know what time we'll be coming on uh, very soon just as soon as we know when the race is going to go off okay now getting back uh, to some of these drivers with approaching milestones mike uh, kevin wallace uh, is uh, i believe uh, 30 wins away from 10,000 career wins uh, of course i know kevin for a long time he was uh, very very good at, at windsor and um uh, Hazel Park, he, that was pretty much his uh, driving establishment, did a fantastic job there, won a lot of races, uh, was even uh, at Pompano, or not at Pompano, at the, well, has been at Pompano, but was also at Pocono uh, the last couple of years, drove a couple of races at Harris Philadelphia over the last couple of years as well, so we certainly want to keep an eye on Kevin as he gets closer to that $10,000 win mark, of course, Kyle DiBenedetto, 6,000 driving, I might have said 5,000 or 6,000 driving wins, so congratulations to uh kyle on that particular feat and uh let's see some of the others Corey braden you know Corey. he's uh getting closer oh, yeah. to uh, 2000 wins uh, a guy that's in your parts david lake is getting close to 2000 driving wins a guy that has been in michigan for a long long time driving and training terry Tomlin. uh i don't think he really drives too much anymore 
but uh, he's, uh, you know, been a, certainly a, a great trainer in the Michigan scene for a long, long time. He's getting close to 2000. So we're going to keep an eye on all these. Um, Luke Olette, by the way, is getting a closer to $130 million in lifetime earnings. He's, right now he's got 129 939 253 and Rick Zeron is approaching the $100 million plateau as well. So uh, all these guys uh, getting close to uh, some very important milestones in their driving career, Mike. Yeah, definitely. So it, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's always a lot of fun to watch these guys try to get to uh, try to get to that driving milestone. And I tell you, I cannot wait to see uh, some of these other guys get to their milestones. And you know the funny thing about it is, like we we talked to George Napolitano Jr., we talked to Aaron Merriman, talked to these guys, uh, you know, throughout the course since the show's been going on. And the funny thing about it is, Mike, is a lot of these guys don't even pay attention to their stats. I mean, they are just businesslike. They're out there each and every race, and their minds are so much into each and every race that a lot of times these milestones just kind of creep up on them. And, uh, you know, they're like, wow, you know, <laughs> I didn't even realize. So, uh, you know, hats off to these guys. They, you know, listen, they put their lives out on the line each and every day. And it's it's uh, just a great thing that they do out there. And, uh, you know, so when these milestones come out, uh, they certainly should be recognized. And uh, we'll do that here at Post Time with Mike and Mike. So congratulations to Kyle, 6,000 wins. And you got a lot of drivers out there approaching career milestones. Definitely. Well, Mike, uh, I don't know where this last hour or hour and 10 minutes has gone, but uh, it's time we wrap it up. Uh, It's been a lot of fun, but we'll be back next week. uh, Same great time, same great place at one o'clock. And we will definitely let you know as soon as we know what time we will be on next Sunday as we uh, watch Bold Eagle attempt to become the first Triple Crown winner in France in over in 40 years. And Mike, so for Mike us, well, hold, hold yeah. on, Mike. Before you wrap, I got one more thing. One more thing before we let you go. Oh, we've boy, already okay. got a guest. <laughs> no, you don't have to play the breaking news, but we've uh, we've got yeah. one guest already confirmed for next week, and we want to talk about drivers that have reached milestones. Opening day of 2015 at Harris, Philadelphia. Um, driver Tony Morgan got his 15,000th career win. That was the very first race. What a way to start a meet, by the way. It was the very That's first right. race in 2015, uh, driving Lightning Moon for trainer Steve LeBlanc. Tony Morgan won his 15,000th career win that day, and since then he's piled up. As a matter of fact, he's off to a great start. I think he's like uh, fourth or fifth or sixth in the driving standings right now, just having a terrific start over at Dover. But he will be joining us next week on the program. So a bit of an early start, a bit of a spoiler for all you guys out there and gals. Yeah, definitely. Well, Mike, uh, I think that's all we got for this week, huh? <laughs> I'm not going to interrupt you again. Go Wrap her up, my friend. <laughs> no, you're, you're quite all right. I just want to make sure we got everything. <laughs> Well, for for Mike Bozich, I'm Mike Carter. We'll see you next Thursday with the first post of 1 o'clock.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.